for all the zombie films this guy's watching all the knowledge in the world isn't going to save him because he's absolutely no common sense I would pay good money to hear that on a public service announcement can you imagine <laughs> that like Hugh Edwards or somebody the government's advice in this case is to run away screaming these people in the zombie apocalypse here it is bad but you know count your blessings at least all the animals aren't coming for you as well <laughs> you know what I mean always look on the bright side eh Matt hello and welcome to part two of Shark Liver Oil's coverage of Zombie Apocalypse it's the second part Dave <sighs> <laughs> Sorry. Yeah. What? Have you just woken up? That's yeah. <laughs> Feeling sleepy. So yeah, I'm Matt, and the grunting you heard around the corner is Dave. Hello, uh, Dave. Yeah. So um, let, let's shall we just jump straight into it. Yeah, let's do it's it. A sh- it's a shaky start, isn't it? Let's be honest. It's, to it's the, never uh, a shaky to the podcast. Start. <laughs> we start as we mean to go on. Doing zombie impressions. What? <laughs> Okay, so zombie, so zombie apocalypse. Last time we read as far as Maddie's diary, mm-hmm. um, which was roughly about a quarter of the way through the book. We're going to mm-hmm. just peg ourselves just past halfway this time. If you're reading along with us, this part is going to go from the end of Maddie's first. This is quite complicated, but the end of the first bit of Maddie's diary, up until the end of this blogger's account of the zombie apocalypse. Um, if anyone doesn't have the book and is wondering what on earth we're talking about, we're, we're trying to pick different points in the book for people to read with us to every week. And um, it's really hard to do it with this book because it doesn't have any page numbers or chapters. So <laughs> it's a bit annoying, really. But yeah. you know, what can you do? Dave, the first bit is um, from it's another one of these internal memos from an organisation called the BMC, which we learn later in this part is is a collection it's like an amalgamation of the bbc and channel 4 mm. as part of the general shutdown of society in uh britain as it turns into a police state apparently one of the things that's happened is that we've merged channel 4 and the bbc together yeah um, it's good no summer. more endless cycling marathons of scrubs and <laughs> friends <laughs> yeah and the big bang theory on e4 no yeah. longer. I mean, Just yeah. BBC suppo- Parliament on loop. I suppose the the bad. There are many bad things about Britain becoming a police state and about you know the zombie apocalypse beginning. But at least now you can watch Big Bang Theory without any adverts. So well, yeah. Well, I mean, you don't want to make any assumptions, do you? Because it could be that the true horror of the apocalypse is that the BBC has gone commercial. Yeah, I've got to be honest. Actually, the um. My favourite part of Big Bang Theory are the adverts because I don't really like it. <laughs> so, so that would make things even worse for me. I probably, if there's Big you, Bang, you, dear sir, you've taken away the only thing worth watching in this TV series. <laughs> I tell you I what, must protest. If there were zombies at the door and Big Bang Theory was playing on loop in the room, I'd open the door and go, "Tap me now." Would you would you use precisely those words? Because that could get a little bit out. I don't know precisely how much you dislike the Big Bang Theory, but that sounds a bit troubling. Yeah, okay. Well, anyway, the BMC are sending a memo around. They're advising the staff to um, wait for the cascade of information to flow down from management about what's happening with the zombie apocalypse. 
and my first impression here is you know this is this is supposed to be an organization staffed with journalists and any journalist worth their salt um, but if you're waiting for information from management for something that's going on then you're not a good journalist so i don't know who they're trying to kid there but anyway no i think what they've done is they've sacked all the good journalists yeah or eaten in the them. merger they've gone we can't afford you good people yeah possibly possibly yeah could be that's my theory anyway yeah based on my inside knowledge we then moved to a newspaper article which is it's quite quite a grabbing headline. Uh, Dead Dying the Zombie King. <laughs> Go on, Sorry. Dave. Sorry, I should take that more seriously, shouldn't I? Mm. <laughs> Zombie Diana. Yeah. Uh, I must confess, the first thing I thought when I read this, and isn't this bananas that this is still, you know, in my head. There was a bit in my head that went, ooh, too soon? I hope not entirely in earnest, but I, I you know, I, I suppose the kind of cross-section of people still concerned about the death of Princess Diana and mm. people likely to read a zombie apocalypse book. The crossover there is not going to be large. Yeah. So I suppose you can kind of get away mm. with it. But... It was a bit of a strange direction to take it in. <laughs> moments of... Ge you've had a detective story, you've had moments of genuine horror, and you've had Maddie's diary, which is kind of... I would describe it as foreboding, I think is probably the best way to describe it. Mm. Um, and... <laughs> And where are you going to go next? You're going to go to resurrecting dead celebrities. Mm. Uh, I, that was a bit weird. Um, but like you said, like it, there is a kind of inconsistent tone to the book, isn't there? Because it, you know it, it does go from these like really gripping, tense moments of horror to wouldn't it be funny if Princess Diana was resurrected by a bunch of crazies? Yeah. And then yeah, it's very on again. strange. Very strange, and so so it's it's basically yeah a group of called Royal Resurrection. Easy for you to say, a group of people <laughs> called a group of people called Royal Resurrectionists have um, decided to try and bring Diana back to life as a zombie. It seems, um, and apparently, the, the, have you noticed the author's Janet, who's the woman who was killed? Yeah, I did. I did notice that. So she must. So, so she wrote this before she died, presumably, and so. Because later on, we do start to see individuals start to act as though they're still alive. Or, like, kind of not just become shambling, brain-eating well, you're, you're thinking she may have written this as a zombie? I love the idea of a zombie journalist, don't you? <laughs> I've met one or two of them. Oh, oh, hey. It's <laughs> a zinger, isn't it? Buzzing. <laughs> <laughs> uh, um possibly possibly I, I... well i don't know because otherwise it's a massive plot hole because we listen to her death and it occurs when nobody knows about the zombies there's also a couple of other articles about um satanic rituals a bit more about this whole catholic church involvement allegedly with the uh <laughs> with the zombie apocalypse which the, the the highly plausible idea that the catholic church has secretly had a voice in the british establishment for many years contrary to all the laws that exist to, to yeah and there's also exclude a, them. there's also a vicar is interviewed about this and then shortly after he's found quite quite a uh i'm sure it's a headline which will have uh, comforted the relatives vicar found chewed was the uh the top line <laughs> and they sort of the the maid who works with the vicar or something found him, and mm. then um, it turns out she was she gets bitten as well but doesn't remember it and she bites mm. a paramedic and onward onward oh maybe she transmits the disease to the paramedic I'm not sure she bites him 
it's just another example of the disease starting to spread as well, isn't it? Yeah, um, and this was this was kind of the the focus starts to get a bit broader here. Sorry, <laughs> Doctor James Lancaster. Oh yeah, this yeah. is a brilliant bit actually. Um, this is a guy, who, a doctor who he treats a woman who turns into a zombie and bites a nurse, and then he treats the nurse. And a couple of things I want to say about this. One thing is the wound that the nurse gets from the bite ends up um, being so to show it's infected. It gets this ring around the rose kind of sign, which is it is it's sort of a you see you got the wound and then around it there's sort of a red mark grows and that's exactly what you get um when you get the bubonic plague but obviously it's from a flea bite and you get these rings and that was the sign that you were in serious trouble if you if you know during the black death so it's just tying it back to this this illness and the middle age illness again yeah um although uh, did you did you notice that from this point nobody else has fleas on them I think it comes up like once more in this segment or something. Yeah. So the the start of it, it was the fleas moving people around. Now it's sort of something else. Yeah. Um. And and um. I don't know whether to call that a plot hole or not. I, I suppose it should be charitable. Um. Because I also noticed that the like there seems to be a, a broad range of like what zombification does to people. Hmm. You know what I mean? Like. Some people are, uh, are zombified and, and just sort of lie motionless on somebody's armchair. And it's... some people become instant flesh-eating maniacs. And, yeah. and some people, as we see in this case, uh, carry on calmly describing their symptoms as befits a member of the General Medical Council. It does play very loosely with um, the rules of what zombies are in this reality. Normally, uh, in most zombie true. fiction you get it, the rules are established as to what the zombies can do and then it sticks mm. rigidly to that this yeah there's so much there's there's the fleas which seem to disappear um as we move through the story and the zombie the ability of zombies to do different things maybe it's a mm. part partly to do with the fact that it's a group of different writers doing it and Could be. N- no one really agreed on exactly what was true and what wasn't or maybe like, it's the disease developing yeah well i, w- I was going to say i think maybe it's that because, um, and that would be a really awesome angle to take. Because you're right, in a movie, you haven't really got time to show zombies changing. Mm. Um, you know, you've got, oh, this crap, this is happening! Action sequence, action sequence, action sequence, tense moment, loud noise, and then the helicopter comes. In a book, you've actually got time to be like, and they started to change their behaviour. Well, let's just rewind a bit and stick with this um, Dr. James Lancaster. So they treat this woman who's um, become a zombie. Oh, who, who's, be, who's becoming a zombie. She gets really aggressive. They have to restrain her. She bites a nurse. Uh, and then they treat the nurse as well. Now, they don't restrain the nurse. That's the first <laughs> thing I would do here. Because the, you, you see what effect this disease has. But yeah. they sort of start treating her and just leave her to it. And then eventually she gets up and starts charging around. And they all run off to an office and barricade themselves in. And she just starts eating the other patients who are in the bed, which is horrible. Yeah. Um, and and then she seems to have some kind of superhuman strength as well. Again, another inconsistency, really. Sometimes the zombies are just sort of normal. And sometimes mm. they have this incredible strength, which comes from nowhere. Yeah. Um, she, she wanders off and attacks members of the public. She ends up getting run over by an ambulance. Which, <laughs> did you, did you, I find it quite blackly funny, that. <laughs> just imagine a wandering out and this ambulance going it just felt that little bit where the ambulance 
run into it. It just felt a bit Shaun of the Dead. Do you know what I mean? Well, so. actually, yeah, that's true. And which is, of course, an entirely laudable and good thing, I think. Yeah. Um, the when the doctor comes across the body on the floor after after the nurse has been run over, he mm. decides to do the sort of merciful thing and put her out of her misery because she's still moving. Yeah. But um, he tries to stop her heartbeat and then realizes she doesn't have one anymore. Yeah. And in the end, the only way he can stop her from moving is he actually cuts her head off, which I don't think <laughs> is normal medical procedure. Um, not since the sort of middle ages, anyway. And then. The way he gets bitten is he's got their head in the office later, and as he's sort of messing about with it and taking samples, it bites him, mm. um, which is oh, again horrible. I like that idea of a head just kind of being like, "I'm hungry." <laughs> yeah, and then we just get this de- rather depressing account of his own demise and an eventual death, uh, mm. which we, you know, which we've, we've discussed. Mm. Um, Okay, the the next again we get another BMC message. Uh not much to say about this other than the fact that it advises staff to go to the My Risks website, part of the website. And that is a uh, that does actually exist in the BBC did, section. Did you... oh, there, is does it? My, there is something called My Risks, but it's not like your risks in the event of a zombie apocalypse. It's more like um <laughs> you know, watch out for tripping over the curb when you're filming with a video camera and things like that. <laughs> so I love I do yeah uh, health and safety in a zombie yeah. book yeah um, um I, I, I think that's that's laudable ambition even if a bit silly the next bit boo boo boy which is a, a twitter handle for somebody we're going to get a, a list of twitter messages now from uh, another person involved in the zombie apocalypse only known as boo boo boy yeah. um I thought he was a classic sort of loud brush stereotypical city boy to be honest i was gonna say he's absolutely a city boy isn't he i don't even think he's a really posh city boy i think he's one of the the kind of people who have all the money they have the part of sort of the aristocracy where they have all the money but none of the charm that sometimes comes with it do you know what i mean <laughs> there's none of the sort of general bumbling kindness about it there's just no, a wank. just just absolute twattishness yeah yeah but anyway um so he, you know, he complains about a dead cyclist. Well, he complains about a cyclist, absolutely dead. Um, he moans about Heathrow and the fact that there's no brioche available. Uh, he, start, he starts sex, sexting uh, someone called at Soppy Feline. Um, there's also at oh, some bitch. What a horrible piece of writing that. <laughs> there's also at some bitch. Who I think he's one of his friends. Um, yeah, and. Uh, you can't. I, I've put here. It's hard to hate him because you kind of know what's coming as he's getting on this plane. Yeah. You're thinking, oh, this um, is the, it's clearly the last flight out of London, and yeah, you just know, you just know, this man is going to die. Yeah, I, I actually, as part of this preparation, I had a look on Twitter for at Boo Boo Boy, at Some Bitch, at Soppy Feline, and at Crystal Slut, who appears at some point as well. I had to be careful with that one because I thought I might end up. Getting in yeah, trouble no, with the no search kidding. history. Um, unfortunately, no one's bothered making these accounts for these people. But there is a Boo Boo Boy who he hasn't tweeted anything though. So uh-huh. <laughs> it might be because he he died horribly in a plane um, by a zombie attack. There's, there is someone called At Some Bitch. His his name's Aaron Travis, and he's just he's tweeted about four times. Just been mourning about baseball. <laughs> so I don't think I don't think it's the same some bitch but you never know. Can you imagine like 
Because Twitter's big enough now that, you, and there's been enough print parodies of it that, that, like, you know, there are bits of it that just sort of stay in print forever. Yeah. Um. Can you imagine somebody like joining Twitter and choosing what you think is a really funny name for yourself, and then discovering that there's it's been used fictionally before <laughs> as the handle yeah. of an utter tool. <laughs> well, this has happened here. Yeah, yeah, maybe that's why Boo Boo Boy didn't tweet anything. The real yeah, version. Opened up the account, up. looked at it, and went. Oh fuck! Yeah. Maybe maybe open up the account and then got loads of messages from people saying you're a wanker. You're what? I'm glad you're dead. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, at first he thinks it's terrorists, um, and we get these. The tweets become increasingly fragmented and horrified um, as uh, as thing. Basically, it starts off with someone infected on the plane. It spreads, and in the end, there's this desperate fight and. Um, and everybody's killed. Uh, one of the tweets, um, he mentions this woman with enormous breasts at one point, rather lecherously at the start. And then in the middle of the attack, when it's all going to shit, one of his tweets is, big tit blonde, guts ripped out, eaten. And I just thought, why the hell is he texting about the blonde girl? <laughs> How is she still defined to you as the woman with the big breasts instead of the human being who just died? Yeah, I think it's another one of those ones. It was, it's quite a, it's a very vivid snapshot of what's going on, but it, it by by getting that, it compromises on the sort of real, the the believability because you wouldn't tweet, really, you, no one would tweet that in that situation. <laughs> Good heavens, somebody's had their guts ripped out. Hang on a moment, <laughs> yeah. uh, you'll have to wait. Sorry, yes, I know brains, brains, I know, but I'm tweeting. Yeah. All right. <laughs> um, the the opposite of that is is his second to last tweet which which i think genuinely people this is what people do tweet when things are going horribly wrong which is he tweets the uh the girl who's been sexting and says uh, i love you for true they're coming and uh yeah. that's just before and that was a that i thought that was a nice bit of uh reality in this thing that's been kind of funny and um at the last minute and it sort of gives you a bit of a surprise punch to to yeah. make it more realistic uh, there's an end letter about um, about the attack on the on the plane. Uh, this is just a bit of a retrospective because this this Twitter account like is is bookended by uh, a letter, sort of. So it's obviously been sent to somebody as as, as a, something of interest to look at. And there's a short report about the attack, and um, there's also a mention of the, the getting reports of an attack in in the New York City area, which is similar. And that just yeah. gives you the impression that suddenly this is this is breaking out of England now. This isn't just a British problem anymore. This is soon going to be a world problem. Mm. Yeah. Um, and I suppose that this that's the whole point of this chapter, because of the guys getting yeah. on a plane. So it moves you to start thinking, Oh yeah, this is oh, this is very easy going? to yeah, yeah, this is very easy yeah. to spread. Yeah. Especially in the new in the interconnected world we live in. Yes. We're gone to big picture. And the global threat, now it's going right back down to a, a small family unit with the second part of Maddie's diary. Um, Gets bleaker. It certainly does. We were worried that things were going to go wrong, and unfortunately we were correct. She moves to her friend, George and Alex's. So this is the 13-year-old th girl. Um, mm. she, she moves to her friend George's house, and uh, it's, there's George and Alex. Alex is the older guy that she's got a crush on. Um, it turns out her mum's sick. She's been bit. It looks like she's been bitten by her, her uncle Jack. Uh, there's a, an entry, a second entry, which is about 
George's dad not coming home from work and the mum's really frantic and things are beginning to get a bit crazy outside um, in the street. Um, mm. They return to her flat and they find a horrific scene where her grandmother's dead in the armchair and she finds her mum on top of it, effectively eating her dad. Um, and her mum's got a knife in her shoulder and a smashed sort of vase around her. So obviously her, her dad's put up a bit of a fight, but um, it sort of has not been able yeah. to escape. Yeah. And that was, the, even in, you didn't have to see the scene to, to, I think, to be affected by the whole extent of that, of a family having to, you know, turning on each other. Yeah. And I thought that was very, very affecting. Where, where did that leave you? It was horrifying and I, I could picture it all too well. Yeah, and it's her. I thought this would have been well. very easy to overdo as well. Do you know what I mean? Like to kind of write it in such a way that it was quite overwrought, but it was just quite understated. And... <laughs> yeah, all yeah. the more chilling for it, you know. Yeah, uh, as we as we move through the rest of this this diary entry, um, it, it's just descends into chaos outside, and the the group uh, decide to that what's left of it. So Maddie and um, George's mum. George, Alex, they all decide to go to this one of it's one of George's uncle's places, and he's got a sort of converted attic which is hidden. I don't know what yeah. he's been preparing for, but he's got a whole flat which you can get into um, and stay relatively safe. So it becomes a bit of a safe house, and everybody mm. hides up there, and George and Alex stay outside to scavenge supplies and things like that, mm. um, which is a very brave thing for them to do. Yeah. So, so the so we're introduced to a new collection of characters who are sharing this flat. There's Mr. Drake, who's George's uncle. Uh, there's his wife, his, his enormous wife. Um, I tell you what, they hit the jackpot if the zombies find them, won't they? <laughs> <laughs> there's this, there's Mr. Meekin, who's sort of a, a work colleague of of uh, Mr. Drake's, and then mm. that's about it. And yeah. I just thought the very last thing I wanted to say about this is it, it, the diary ends with Maddie complaining about having to do the washing up. I just thought it was quite nice <laughs> to bring it back down to a sort of this is what 13-year-old girls complain about in the diaries. So it, it just <laughs> it added a, a level of realism to it as well, which I quite yeah, enjoyed. Yeah. yeah, and I thought this this whole kind of uh, section had a had very realistic tone of a 13-year-old girl struggling to be mature in the face of this horrifying thing. Yeah. Occasionally, just slump it back into. Oh God, it's so unfair! I hate you. <laughs> um, and I, t I tell you, actually, one thing I really liked from this was her description of Mister Drake, um, who does sound like quite a curious character. Like he's really uptight and insists on being called Mister Drake, but he's sort of forty something and mm. has a soul patch. <laughs> she describes him as having this this little tiny line beard underneath his mouth, and I just I think that's hilarious, <laughs> like like, uh, like uh, um an anal retentive hipster. Um, okay, should we move on to a scene that you particularly like and I particularly mm. hated? Uh, yeah, this is this is the I I that's a fair. I didn't hate it. I just thought this is the this is more than any other scene, the one that really jars with the rest of the book, and I thought it. I thought it should be. In a, I thought it was a good scene, but it should be in a different book. Um, mm. This is the parliamentary select committee of one, which is the last remaining. It <laughs> appears member of the government, Sir Kenneth Smart, who mm. uh, is talking about. Uh, he's talking with Francis, so a woman called Francis, who's a junior assistant planner, mm. uh, and then there's a woman taking notes as well. 
and they're reviewing the the plan for the zombie outbreak which francis was partly responsible for mm. and um she, they basically talk about this away day where everybody went off to come up with a few plans for in the event of catastrophes happening so you know what would the government do if uh, there's a terrorist attack in london and things like that and on the last day for a laugh they filled out they did a few others um including an attack from planet x and uh, in the event of a zombie apocalypse and uh their advice their official advice which went into the file was in the events of a zombie apocalypse and then just one line run away screaming <laughs> <laughs> and uh so kind of that's smart what is you furious. do though isn't it <laughs> yeah so kind of smart is furious to this point there's been an awful lot of very british kind of gothic despair mm. and you know i've got a lot of time for that um but there ha- there's been very little world-weary sarcasm and i think there would be a part of the response of many british people to something like this which is like oh the zombies is it fucking zombies <laughs> <laughs> government's fault you know like um like quite and he is quite withering and quite sarcastic about it you know at one point he's this this kind of you know po-faced civil servant is trying to say um i'm only very junior sir and he's like well mm. yeah but if you hang around till next week uh you'll probably be prime minister so chin up <laughs> um and and i just hadn't seen any of that anywhere else in the book so far so i quite i also thought it was very funny like it's 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 a it's a gag is what it is it's a comedy sketch that that is that is really in effect my problem with it the fact that it is such a ridiculous thing to plan for so there's no it's so unrealistic that anyone would even be no 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 but but that's the point like they um like the whole point is that it's like so there's several other silly scenarios that they've come up with, like, you know, in the event of the Pixies rising up at the bottom of the garden and trying to take over the country, the government has yeah. the following plan. And it's yeah. it's clearly supposed to be like a, like a wind-down thing at the end of the day. And yeah. the joke is that this minister has gone to the shelf, looked up, oh, zombie apocalypse, right, I'll, I'll activate that plan, I'll publicise it, without actually reading it. So it's, yeah. it's, like, it's satirical about kind of governmental failure. In the, yeah. face of, in the face no, of no, all no, this no. stuff. I, I understand the joke, but I'm just saying that for it to for it to work, it's it's it, you have to accept that it's just not based on it. That there's no realism to it at all, which um, which the book, the rest I of the book know. is trying to make you believe that it's real. There's no way that a um a gov- the gov- the government that somebody actually places that into a genuine file to send out. And there's no way that nobody reads it before they send it. Yeah, but <laughs> the government's so broken message. down that he's just like, oh shit, yeah, do that. No, I'm not going to read it. I'm the minister. I've got but advisors what? for that sort of thing. I don't know. I just didn't, I didn't buy it at all. I, don't, I didn't mind, I wouldn't mind that I don't buy it because it's supposed to be funny and part of comedy is being ridiculous. But it, but I felt I needed to buy it for it to work in the context of the book and I just don't, I didn't, come close to believing it was remotely possible also with that that the that Sir Kenneth Smart would, would have that kind of reaction as well of beholding the meeting, it's all ridiculous isn't it and it's great yeah. because it's funny and it is it is funny and ridiculous but it, it just doesn't sit in the rest of the book because the rest of the book isn't a satire to me it just played like really funny um, kind of like you ever seen the movie Brazil 
really kind of dark satire on bureaucracy. You know, it's a mm. bit like the thick of it, where, you know, policy decisions are made in the back of cars between two press press conferences. Yeah. And and you you kind of hope it's not true, but it's it's close enough that you're thinking could that happen given a combination of circumstances and a and a and you know, the wrong people in the wrong places. Yeah. Yeah, but the um, way the thick of it works is it takes something like that and it takes it grounds it in realism and then it adds a jump which makes it into a slightly more ridiculous. Totally absurd, yeah. And that's why it's funny. And that's that's great. But I just don't think I just don't think that works with you couldn't drop a scene from the thick of it into the West Wing. Do you know what I mean? Did, it would be funny, <laughs> but it, but you, you know, but it wouldn't work because it just yeah no no you're right you're right and that's fair enough, um, and that's definitely true I think, um, but I still I I liked it it didn't feel like a bum note to me it felt like a welcome light relief to be honest because because it it has to be said that the forthcoming section of the book is like relentless. Um, just one more thing about that scene. Um, it did, this did make me laugh out loud. The uh, how it ends, where uh, the woman taking notes who hitherto has been completely ignored starts eating something <laughs> while still writing. She like turns into a zombie and starts attacking someone <laughs> and I continues really to take minutes that, like... on it. <laughs> yeah, well, so so this is the, this is what I'm talking about with the that doctor like continuing to be a doctor even as he turns into a zombie. Yeah. Is, so I thought this was another example of it, although the image did defeat me somewhat. This, I thought, was a bum note in this scene. Is this idea of this stenographer going, brains, brains, with one arm, and then the other it's arm is still behind her on her dictation machine? <laughs> okay. I think we've done plenty on that scene, so let's move to the next uh, the next chapter, the final chapter for today, actually. Um, it's quite the a blogger. big one, though. It's uh, It's the blogger, the zombie king. And Dave, this is you. This is exactly what you asked for in the last cast, isn't it? It is. I was so Which happy when I came to this. Yeah, because because you guys watch too many zombie movies and actually talks about them. People seem to take it in stride that these are zombies instead of being like, "What? The, these are people. You know, they're still alive somehow." They go instantly to, "Oh, you're a member of the Living Dead. Right, I'll deal with that then." Um. And I kind of wanted people to be slightly more kind of savvy in that case, to have more conversations about zombie movies. Mm. And lo and behold, a blog full of a guy who watches <laughs> zombie movies in order to get over the zombie apocalypse. <laughs> what? Yeah. Um, th this guy approaches the zombie apocalypse as if it is a computer game, doesn't he? Yeah. Um, yeah. He's, he, he's the classic uh, living his life like a game. Um, for example, the first entry, the first link, the first line. I saw my first zombie today, and it was brilliant. That isn't anything like the reaction we've had from anybody else in this book so far. Yeah. He also says the words "game on," um, so game he's, on. He's, he's up for it. Um, well, he's he he is more than a bit of a wanker. This guy, um, yeah. like, well, so I, what made me think that was later on. Um, he's just gone through a breakup with his girlfriend. Oh yeah, and um, and he writes something really unpleasant. He's like, yeah, like he talks about in quite unpleasant detail about how he'd like to see her turn into a zombie and get torn limb from limb or something. I, I read it as a guy who I don't know. I thought that was more. It was nasty, but it was more of a um, 
like the kind of petulant empty threat that a, a an angry teenager makes uh, i thought it was quite yeah, quite an, right, an immature yeah. little thing for him to write um yeah I, because yeah i wouldn't imagine him going out and actually doing it yeah so his blog for the most part is a mixture of him watching zombie films to prepare himself for the oncoming zombie apocalypse and um and moaning about his ex-girlfriend and wishing all kinds of terrible things on her. Uh, there's also a on the May the sixth entry, he uh, he heads down to a food bank because th- things have got organised pretty quickly in this area, and um, mm. they, they they've started to ration food, and he goes down to get some, and gets a fairly meagre portion, and comes back, but he's had to wait a long time. And this is you can tell it's beginning to sink in that things are going to be quite difficult. From yeah. There on. And this is something that, in fairness, nobody ever shows in the zombie movies, do they? They no, show people running true. out of food, but they don't show the long queuing that's involved in getting the food in the first place. <laughs> yeah. The welfare state in a zombie apocalypse has not been nearly explored enough <laughs> in media, I think. His May the 7th entry, he talks about Henry across the road, who's nailing his windows shut on the first floor, and he laughs at him because he says, we all know zombies can't climb. Oh, um, famous last words. Yeah. Um, there was a... Apparently, he makes a different... This is the first time this shit comes up. The difference between the really old, zomb- really old zombies and the new ones. And he calls the old ones Templars. And I think we're supposed to read into this that there are some zombies wandering around now who have been reanimated from the Middle Ages. Those ones mm. that were dragged out of the out of the grave. They are shambling about now, mm. <laughs> um, and they're really slow. And the people who have been killed more recently, they're much quicker normally. Mm. Um, his description, um, some zombies turn up outside, and he says he opens his window, looks out, and what does he see? Zombies gimping around in my street. <laughs> <laughs> May, May the 8th, he decides he wants to see one up close. Don't know why. <laughs> He nearly gets eaten for this. He he makes two oh, he makes two I, I, basic errors for me. One yeah. is he does he goes out there in the first place, walks outside of his his flat, <clears throat> like outside into the street, sees an old zombie, nearly gets caught by two new two younger zombies. He manages to get back inside, and then he turns back to the window to taunt them. Gets a face full of glass for his trouble. So I mean, <laughs> this is the kind of intellect we're dealing with here. I don't think he's going to survive for long. Yeah, I, I don't understand why they didn't just have him go, Cameron, have a go if you think you're hard enough. <laughs> May the 8th, later on that day, is watching more zombie films. All I think that the point this off this is making fairly clearly is for all the zombie films this guy's watching, all the knowledge in the world isn't going to save him because he's absolutely no common sense. Um, does, uh... Thursday talks about how he hopes his girlf- ex-girlfriend's going to get eaten by zombies. There's a scene that shows how much of a nice guy he is slightly later on where he... Mrs. Morgenstein comes over to ask for some, beg some food off him, and he ignores her. And uh, he, he also describes her as the ropey old slag. <laughs> <laughs> Very sympathetic, relatable. What a tool. <laughs> Mrs. Morgenstein came over, the ropey old slag. It's <laughs> a horrible thing to say. <laughs> but it is actually quite funny. <laughs> oh. Right, I'm going to move on. Um, May the 10th, uh, Nutter Henry, the guy across the road who'd been boarding his windows shut, um, decides to make a break for it. 
and uh, our blogger sees Henry come outside with a, a load of pieces of wood to defend himself with and he makes it as far as his car but then he's so <laughs> shaken up he can't fit the keys into the door classic scene and um and eventually he's overcome right next to yeah. his right next to his car mm. um the blogger sees one of the zombies one of the templars he says so one of these ones from the middle ages mm. get in the car and try and drive it yeah and crash and, and it. succeed as well yeah which is a bit like you and me in an undead state encountering a time machine and going, oh yeah, no, I understand how to do that. Flux capacitor yeah. here. Yeah, which which is this is this isn't um, people people's personalities coming back. This is something else, isn't it? Yeah, and there's these little nuggets of this start to come in more and more now and from now on. I think uh, we move on to May the eleventh. He's run out of his food now, and he's decided. It's time to go. He's going to cowboy yep. up and he's going to get out there and find some food. Always a successful strategy whenever it's practiced in popular culture. Yeah. Um, within a few hours later, he's back on his uh, his PC. He hasn't left yet because he's not got a weapon. He's not got a weapon. So give him his due. Slightly later, he does make one. He creates a spear, sort of a homemade spear. Um from a collection of items scavenged from other flats. He may be uh, loathsome, but he's certainly resourceful. And he heads out. Uh, and then we get this... Um, some of the blog is, is from a chirp, which is kind of like... I think it's like an on-the-go, sort of almost like Twitter account. Yeah, he chirps from uh, somewhere out and about, saying that he's, he's in trouble and he's not got far and warning other people not to go towards the food bank. And I, I, at this point, I thought, well, that's it. Turn the page. You're expecting to see the start of the next chapter. But no, um, he makes it back to the uh, to, to the flat. So you've got to give him some credit. He does, he, he does make a good fight of it to this point. But the problem is he's back and he's no intention of leaving again now. He's, he's, mm. So he's stuck with no food in the flat. For a couple more days, he waits it out. And in the end, he effectively just gives up and he says, right, um, the next time you hear from me, I'll be a zombie and I'm coming to get you. So I thought that was a good, that was an interesting. I like that because it was a hopeless end, but it was told in a slightly different way. <clears throat> That's as far as we're supposed to read. Mm. The next page, you may as well mention it because it fits in with the other BMC stuff we've talked about. The, uh, the BMC organization now says the the buildings have been overrun and this final message going out it's advice to staff members which has come directly from the government and we know what's coming here the advice is run away screaming run away screaming i would pay good money to hear that on a public service announcement can you imagine <laughs> that like hugh edwards or somebody just giving it their best kind of extremely serious moment of grave national import voice <laughs> the government's advice in this case is to run away screaming. <laughs> the other thing that I really liked about this is the idea of uh, BBC buildings being overrun with zombies. Because I just had this fantastic image of them continuing to try to make programs, and I'm kind of wondering which ones it would be noticeable for, and which yeah. ones it wouldn't. Because <laughs> you, could, you could do sort of question time very easily. 
just you know somebody in the in, you know <laughs> Jonathan Dimbleby giving it brains 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 <laughs> and then he's just got two people on either side of him just looking at each other going <laughs> waving their arms at each other and it would be about the same level of debate wouldn't it <laughs> I think it'd be great if all the audience were zombies and the panel were human so like, Dimbleby would <laughs> yes. go uh, you there in the in the red top <laughs> And then all the zombies are gone. Shh. Like the the uh, the Tory go. Well, that's obviously um, you make a very interesting point. Blah blah blah. blah. And then they, yeah, I think it would work quite nice. Uh, that would be incredible. I love the idea of Dimbleby just pointing at the back. Yes, the the lady at the back with the with only one cheek. Yes, yes. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, we're gonna need to we need to work out where we're gonna read up to next time. Yes, well, where got a suggestion since, for you. since, as we know, my mm. Kindle doesn't allow me to flick through pages very quickly. Okay, well, there's a there's a very fairly fairly long piece, which is uh, well, a very long piece actually, which is the account of a helicopter pilot. Um, in I think she's in Australia. She she talks about they basically it's a helicopter pilot and her, and her team of uh, medical professionals who visit a, a remote town. In, in Australia. Mm. So read up to, if you're reading along with us for the next time, read up to and include that chapter. Right, well, that, that's the recap. We've got a little bit of feedback to get through. Uh, Dave, do you want to uh, go through one or two things first, or do you want me to do it? So um, we, got, we got our first, of all things, our first fan art this week, um, which was uh, which was phenomenal. It's actually from my brother, who is, um, he's a graphic designer and a, a motion graphic designer. And I say it like it's kind of a doodle, but it's actually flipping brilliant what he's done. So he listened to our um, Old Man and the Sea podcast, hmm. and um, he really liked uh, when we were talking about comparisons between uh, Bruce Willis and Santiago, you know, this kind of utterly badass elderly fisherman. Hmm. Um so he's done a picture which is unbelievable it's a picture of a whale lying on its side with a santa claus hat on and on its belly it's got now i have a harpoon gun ho 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 (laughs) (laughs) i wet myself when i saw that that was flipping brilliant of all the images you could you could draw from the old man in the sea we've managed to mangle that classic of english literature so badly (laughs) that that you can make a diehard image out of it i thought it's absolutely fantastic so it's um it's uh johnnyburton.com is where you can find it it's on his blog there could we tweet that as well so we'll put that out on on our twitter yeah um okay um there's also read a bit of feedback specifically on the zombie apocalypse um this is from oliver who says the prospects of zombie animals are terrifying this is we're, remember we're talking about the fact that there was a zombie dog in the last part of the yeah, book yeah. that we read zombie dogs uh, and zombie cows and how intimidating you, yeah. they would be as opponents you mentioned zombie cow which is yeah uh, something worrying uh, oliver says the prospect of zombie animals is terrifying um especially if it was a zombie rat or a zombie mouse um oh. also is this is it confined to mammals or are there zombie insects too uh, the first bit oh, yeah. absolutely zombie rats and mice um that would they be get everywhere 
Yeah, think of how many. Apparently, you're only how how close are you to a, a rat in in London? I think it's you're never more than a few meters away from one in terms of population yeah. density. So there's yeah. plenty of them about, um, which would make the situation only worse. Could you imagine having to sort of try and keep them out as well because they can yeah, squeeze through cracks? Yeah, rat-proof your and... building. Yeah, <sighs> it'd be all it'd be awesome. all over, wouldn't it? Zombie yeah. zombie yeah. rats. Um, let's. What about this prospect of zombie insects? Now there oh. is these there there are I suppose the zombie fleas are technically kind of zombie insects aren't they? Oh, that's true. Yeah, yeah. Um, well, because they've been alive for seven hundred years or something under the ground without nourishment. Yeah. yeah. So in theory, I suppose again could be. I think a lot of the time, as we said last time, zombie fiction avoids mass infections of other animals because it stacks the odds too far against the surviving humans. Then nothing could survive if. Yeah, if that's all true. animals, you know, had uh, c- could become infected. Yeah, I think that's the point. So, these people in the zombie apocalypse here, it is bad. But you know, count your blessings. At least all the animals aren't coming for you as well. <laughs> you know what I mean? Always look on the bright side, eh, Matt? Bright side, yeah. Silver lining. That's what's going to get yeah. these people through it. If anyone's going to get through it, frankly, so far, considering the way things are going. Maybe uh, there's no cause for optimism at all. But what can I say? Shall I do another scientific reasons uh, a zombie apocalypse could actually happen? You know the answer. <laughs> let's do it. Right, let's do it. So this is uh, this is from Cracked.com. Uh, it's an article by T.E. Sloth and David Wong um, called Five Scientific Reasons a Zombie Apocalypse Could Actually Happen. I urge you to go and read the whole article because it's fantastic. This is number three. This is the real rage virus. Um, so uh, have you seen 28 Days Later, Matt? I have, yeah. And I've, I thought it was one of the most realistic zombie apocalypse films I've ever seen. You could really yeah. easily believe how that could happen. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, absolutely. Well, and with good reason, Matt. Mm. Because um, this uh, this particular one, the real rage virus... It's actually about mad cow disease. So do you remember when we were kids? Zombie cows. Zombie cows, you see? (laughs) So think about it, right? Where does mad cow disease come from? Mad cows. From cows being fed other cows. As like, so, so these cows eating cows turn into mad cows and then humans eat the meat. Mm. Yeah, Kreutzfeldt Jakob disease. Mm. Yeah. Right, okay. okay. So, symptoms, the article tells mm. us, may include changes in the way you walk, hallucination, mm-hmm. lack mm-hmm. of coordination, say stumbling mm-hmm. and falling, yeah. muscle twitching, yeah. rapidly developing delirium. Yeah. yeah. Right? Mm-hmm. So, in- insatiable thirst for human flesh? And insatiable yes, human flesh. <laughs> <laughs> particularly brains (laughs) um so i mean so admittedly the the article concedes uh the uh the afflicted aren't known to chase after people in murderous mobs yet and it's that yet because you never know we might wake up tomorrow in a world where kreutzfeld jakob disease has mutated possibly in conjunction with any of the other four reasons from this article about yeah. scientific reasons the zombie apocalypse could actually happen. And yeah. and it could be, could could be that mad cow disease 
turns us all into mad cows. Yeah. Yeah. All, the, all three of these so far have been yeah. examples of diseases which don't make you want to eat other people. But if if they did, then we could be in trouble. Is that is that the gist? Yeah, there is there is a noticeable lack of cannibalism <laughs> uh, in but most of t- these. I there think. are two more to come as well, though. So there are two. You wait for it. Know. The next one will be like tasty people or something. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but yeah, ma- tasty. Mad mad cow disease possibly uh, leading to zombies as a zombie infection vector. That's where it all began. Those zombie cows. It always comes back to those zombie. It always cows. comes back to the zombie cows, and nobody's made a film about them yet. <laughs> you you'd struggle to. <laughs> You know what? The only thing this cast was missing was somebody having the balls to attempt an impression of a zombie cow. And I've been staying away from that since I made that crack last week. But all power to you. I'm never doing it again. I'll tell you that for free. That's the only time you're ever going to hear that. It's all right. We're recording it and putting it out on the internet. It'll live forever. (laughs) Okay. Well, lock up your zombie cows. Um... I think that's it. I think that's yeah. as far. I think that's probably a good time to end it. A zombie cow impression. Yeah, so, I can't imagine. Well, that that's the high point of our recording career <laughs> thus far. <laughs> okay, well, dive back into the zombie apocalypse. Then, if you're reading along with us, read on up until the uh, account of uh, a pilot, an Australian pilot, uh, who visits a remote town in Australia. Once you get to that point, read that far and stop, and we'll be talking about that portion of the book on the next Shark Liver Oil. Yeah. Um, the only other thing to say is uh, if you want to get in touch, as we said before, we're on Twitter at Shark Liver Oil, or you can send us an email, sharkliveroilpodcast at gmail.com. Share any thoughts you got on the book uh, or anything that you want to say about the podcast, body, body, blah, or even suggestions for new books to do, which uh, we can, we'll consider and uh, do in the future yep so Dave until next time stay safe until next time brains screaming